No, I just wanted to share, for those of you who have been coming for a while, if you've noticed for probably a few months now, I try to end the meditations where you're still present in spirit. I'm doing that for a reason, mainly because I know myself and a lot of you have voiced, you know, like a separation, like I'm either there out of body or I'm here, and then it's miserable while I'm here, and it's wonderful while I'm there. You know, so it, it creates a separation. What I'm trying to do in the meditations now the last few months is trying to bridge that gap. So truly, you live the spirit all the time because it's present all the time. It is who you are. It's the very life itself that gives even the physical body that life. So I'm trying to bridge that gap. So truly, you can begin to find within yourself, really, there is no separation. It's simply a process of awakening into the higher and higher realms. And you can do that out of the body or you can do that in the body. So I say, hey, why not merge it all so you're aware and you can live it every moment of every day so that even your physical level of expression can really be an expression of joy, an expression of the divine essence that you are. So the last several months I've been, in a way, purposefully, although not me, egoically trying to make it happen. It just seemed to unfold several months ago when I first did that and and Jim even commented on that. Ever since then, it's just been kind of unfolding that way. And that's just my sense of it that I'm sharing with you right now so that it re really find a way within ourselves to really live that essence on all levels, in all ways, in all moments. And this is a way that I know to do that is to always bring that back with me. When I get done with my morning meditation, I don't also get up and then, okay, I'm done with that and then go do the day. I do this in my morning meditation where once I come more physically present, I'll stay there a few minutes, just really allowing that to settle so I really become integrated on all levels. And then when I'm ready, I'll open my physical eyes and I'll get up and start to do the day. That's just a way that I have learned to keep that divine presence in my awareness so that I do the day in that divine presence. And so it's a way... You know, as we do it here in class, that as we do this, you may begin to find ways that you can continue living that in your everyday life as well. It's so funny. Sometimes when spirit comes in, it's just in a flow. And sometimes my mind gets engaged during the meditation trying to figure out what I'm supposed to say and what is spirit going to come in and say. And tonight, while we were meditating, my mind kind of got engaged in a process within myself. Anybody ever have that experience? <laughs> it's interesting, you know, we sit down to meditate and something else totally goes on. And we just kind of go along with it and go along with it and then all of a sudden we realize, where am I going? You know, this is not going towards God. So I kept realizing as I was caught up in this process inside that I was you know, bringing myself back to focus, bringing myself back to attention, to meditate. And I would, you know, go inside in, in that process of meditation again and stay focused and go into the loving and listen for the sound, look for the light. And two minutes later, I was in the process and I was just kind of wandering off in this other world. What I was doing was I was trying to figure out, well, what to say and what, what, what am I supposed to say tonight? All the time, Spirit was just standing right here going, we're here, don't, don't go anywhere else, we're here. And I realized how my mind was attached to trying to do something or say something or prove itself tonight. It was, it was an interesting process. It was also nice when Brian would 
call us back to chant the hue out loud again because, boy, that was like a slap in the face. It would just like pull me right back in the center. And then there was spirit. As I was in that moment, at one point when you called us to say the hue out loud, I really sensed something very profound. And so I kind of want to share from that experience and just see how it wants to unfold. Oftentimes when I'm sharing, I say, Be aware that God is love. God is loving. You are the living, loving essence of the Lord. That is who you are, the living, loving essence of the Lord. Tonight, as I was meditating, I realized that those are wonderful words. And I'm sharing those words in order to impart to you an understanding of something. And I'm sharing from my own personal experience of my journey with God. Yet there's no way to really put into words what that experience really is. It's very hard to put an experience into words and really have it make sense. I can maybe put it into words that you will relate to at some level, but then as I was in my meditation, I saw a few things come up that made me aware that when I say God is love, that we each have a different definition of what love is. When I reference to God and love from an inner experience in my inner journey, and I share that out here, you may reference it not so much from your own inner experience as much as your outer journey and your outer experience. It was very interesting because as I was in my meditation and I went into this whole experience of God is love and the different definitions of love in the world, I went back to a time when I was nine years old. And I had a very good friend that lived down the street from me, and we were together just all the time. One day, I went over to his house, and his father was just coming out of the garage, and here came my friend out from the garage, and he was crying and kind of all pale and white. And and I looked at him, and I said, what's going on? And he said, well, I, I was getting a whipping. And I went, what? You know, and his father turned to me, and he said, well, you know, the only way that you can really demonstrate love to your child is by whipping them. And when I experienced that tonight in in my meditation, I went, whoa, wait a minute, that's not the love I'm talking about. (laughs) But yet, if that was what you as a child experienced as the definition of love, and then I'm saying, you know, God is love, you're thinking, well, God's going to whip me. God's going to make life hard for me. God's you know, after me in some way, and that that is love. And so, sure, my life is hard because God loves me. If it wasn't hard, then I guess God wouldn't love me. And I was looking at all that, and I was looking at myself, sharing with my friend about God is love in this experience, and realizing that his concept of love at that time was getting a spanking with a belt. And realizing that that's not what I mean by God is love. And as I went further into it, I looked at other things that I had witnessed in life where people use the word love in a way having to do with an outer experience, an outer focus, an outer relationship, and realizing that that's not what I'm talking about at all. I referenced to one which had to do with my aunt. My aunt and uncle were married for 40-some years. When he died, he died of a heart attack in the hospital. My uncle was everything to my aunt. That was her life. 
this man that was the only person in the world that she felt loved her, that cared about her, that would take care of her no matter what. And when he died, she went literally berserk in the hospital and tore up the whole hall and the room. And they had to sedate her and strap her into a bed to just get control and bring her back to some level of normalcy. We asked her later what was going on. She said that that was just her love. You know, it was just coming out. It needed to be expressed, and that was her love for him. As I was looking at it tonight, I realized that a lot of times what we think of as love is really attachments. It's an attachment to something. It's an emotional attachment. It's a physical attachment. It's a need. It's a want. And that isn't what I mean at all by God is love. God isn't something that we emotionally are bonded to or that we have as an attachment and a need and a want in our lives. The love that I'm talking about from God is that neutral, quiet essence of being, which some of us may have reference to and many of us may not. Many of us may not really know what I mean by God is love and that love is simple, it's quiet, it's neutral, it's still. And yet all the great mystics throughout time have told us to be still and know that I am God. Be still and hear the small voice inside. Be still and discover that simple way, that simple path. And so as I look at that, I realize that when I share of God's love with you, I'm really sharing about an inner experience that really has no words on it. And yet, that's the closest I can come to saying something and giving you something to look at, to hold on to, to begin to search for an understanding of that. So, I would say, when you hear me say, God is love, realize it's not about the world, and it's not about things in the world, and it has nothing to do with outer focus or outer expression. I can remember when I got my first puppy and how I really loved that dog. I was five years old, and the dog loved me. And it turned out it was a one-person dog, and I was the one person. And it hated everybody else. It really did. It bit my mother several times. It chased and bit my father. It would bark at anything and anyone that came near the house except me. I realized now, not so much back then, that he had an attachment to me. I was the focus of love. Everything was focused on me. And when I left the house, he went berserk, just like my aunt did when my uncle died. He would just go crazy, and he would run all over the yard, and he would tear things up, and he would bark, and neighbors would complain. And it got to the point that finally my parents gave him away because of the problems that we were having with him and his love for me, this attachment for me. And I realized that that is a very strong animal instinctual nature in us and in all of the animal kingdom, this sense of attachment, this bonding with love. 
you know, it's very important that when a child is born that it bond with its mother and father at birth in order to truly develop the relationship that it's going to have with them and they with the child. And that, in a sense, is the creating of that emotional attachment, that emotional loving. That is very powerful and very meaningful and very necessary to our physical nature and to all that that is, the sensual nature, the mind nature of this body. But that isn't the spiritual being that we are. We are beyond that. And when we begin to enter into the spiritual essence of ourselves, it isn't about attachment to things in the world. And so when I say God is love, and that you are the living, loving essence of the Lord, I am talking about something very different than the way the world defines love, or the way the world demonstrates love, or the way you might have been taught to live as a loving being in the world. It's something much different. And that difference is that it is moving into that essence of quiet and simplicity and stillness inside yourself that is attached to nothing, that longs for nothing, that needs nothing, but is just pure loving. And that loving is not that love that we sense in the world. So when I say, in your meditation, focus inward and upward and hold your attention at the seat of the soul, and there, share your love with God, and then open and receive God's love, you may be doing something very different than what I'm sharing with you to do. You may be sitting there and trying to bring up inside of yourself this emotional love, this sense of love like you feel in the world. And you may even go into judgment within yourself because I don't feel the love for God the way I feel for my partner or for my children or for my dog or for my car or whatever that might be that you sense love with in the world. Well, that's good. I'm glad you can't bring that kind of love up inside yourself to give to God because that's not the loving we're talking about. The way you might connect into the loving that I'm sharing is enter into an experiment to experience something other than physical love, emotional love, mental love. Enter into a new experience and just say, God, I love you. And at this time, I'm sharing my loving with you. And I love you. And don't look for any feeling, any emotion, anything to stir other than you're just sharing, God, I love you. I'm here and I'm loving you now. And then somewhere in that process, say, and I'm opening to receive your loving now. And I'm just going to be still and silent and allow your loving in, however you wish to share it. And expect nothing. You know, in the world, we're always expecting something called love from another person or a demonstration of love in some way. And so in meditation, we might also sit there expecting something to happen, a demonstration from God of that love. The action of loving that I'm talking about, this river of love that is of the divine, is so simple and so still and so quiet 
that if you're not really in that simplicity and in that stillness, you might just miss the movement of loving that I'm talking about. It is beyond words. It is beyond experience at this level. And so we have to rise above this experiential level of the body, the emotion, and the mind to experience the spiritual essence and to experience that spiritual movement of loving and to discover for ourselves that we truly are the living, loving essence of the Lord and to live in the flow of that, to live in the being of that, to live in the sharing of that. And that is what this meditation is really all about, is getting in touch with that simplicity, that quiet, that essence of loving. So if you find yourself in your meditation and you're trying to stir up in your heart center the emotional thing called love so you can give it to God, realize that that isn't the loving that we're looking to bring forward. Because that's the love of the world. And that love will go back into the world where it came from. And it will manifest itself in the world as love. But it is a love different from the loving that is of spirit. Remember, love in this world has attachments to it. It has strings attached. And... There are expectations, there are demands, there are desires, there are needs that ever come with the manifestation of love at this level. It is just the animal and its nature here. There's nothing wrong with that, but realize that that's not spiritual love. Spiritual love is detachment. It's letting go. It's just being present in the loving having no expectations, no needs, no wants. It just is. And that's what we are moving into in the path of sound and light and in this meditation, is into that stillness, into that place where the isness resides. What is isness? It's God in the moment. God is right now. God is right now. God is right now. God is right now. And that's all there is. God. And so if we can move into this very moment in stillness, in a wakefulness, in attentiveness, and in sharing our loving with God and opening to receive God's love, we can move into that moment that is God now and live in that moment. That is being in God, the isness. But we as creatures of this creation tend to look at things on a timeline, past, present, and future. So we're ever looking to find God somewhere, past, present, or future. And we're ever missing the moment. We're ever missing that place where the isness resides right now. Right now is not a moment in time. Right now is now. And that nowness that I'm talking about is above all these physical creations. And so what we want to do in our meditation is to move past our physical nature, past our emotional nature, past our mind, 
and enter into those realms of spirit where we can begin to wake up in the truth of who we are as spiritual beings. Now, we know ourselves physically fairly well. You'd be surprised, though, how much we do not really know about ourselves physically and how much we play a game on ourselves and how much we deny our own experience and our own truth and how busy we are ever keeping a facade for others to see so that they don't see what's going on inside of us. And if you can just relax beyond all of that and rise above it, then you begin to enter into something other than your physical nature and begin to tap into the trueness of who you are as a spiritual being. And you begin to step into that place that I know exists for all of us to be in and we already are in. And that is that place where we are the living, loving essence of the Lord. It's very interesting. I became aware of that statement when I was about 11, 12 years old. And I began to share about the living, loving essence of the Lord when I was 18, when I began to share with groups in San Antonio. I've shared over and over throughout the years about you are the living, loving essence of the Lord. That's who you are. And one day you're going to wake up and you're going to realize that that's who you are. And you're also going to realize when you wake up and know that, that you never left the heart of God. You've just gotten caught up in a great illusion, a great dream. And you believe yourself separate because you're looking out away from the divine source that you are. All you have to do is stop in the moment Sit down, go inside, and connect back into that place where you reside, the true you, the spiritual you, and to begin to live more in that that you are. When you're there, there is nothing else. There is nothing else. Just that state of business. It's still, it's quiet, it's peaceful, it's loving. And I wish I could say, that you will sit down one day and you will meditate and you will go inside and you'll connect to it. And from then on, every day, you're just going to connect right back into that. And that's going to be your spiritual life from then on. But it's not true. You may connect into it in your meditation and you may have in the past already had that connective experience. And then you sit down the next day expecting the same thing again. And it doesn't happen. Something else totally happens, just like tonight. Instead of going into the oneness and the stillness with spirit, off I went following my mind, listening to my mind, trying to catch up with what I'm supposed to do tonight. What am I supposed to say tonight? And my mind was on a fun tangent. And yet there was a part of me that goes, I know that stillness. I want to get to the stillness. Stop this. Don't do this. But off I would go again. And that's just the way it happens. And you have to let it all be okay. Judge nothing in your inner or your outer experience. Let it all be okay. And then it works for you, with you, ever leading you back to God, back into the awakening where you and God are one. And you know it. And you live it. And then you forget it. And you go back out in the world. And you do the world again. 
and then you continue longing for something other than the world, and then you go, oh, that's right, I was going to meditate. And you sit down and you meditate, and you begin to build up this inner power once again, and then all of a sudden you connect back into the isness, and everything is fine, everything is wonderful. And then all of a sudden you get distracted by the world once again. Somebody yells at you. Somebody says something to you. A bell comes in unexpected. Demands start creeping in at your heels. And you feel like it's just too much. I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this. And you begin to get sidetracked by the world once again, losing sight of your own beingness in spirit. That's just the way it works. But that is also where our lessons are. And all those things we're avoiding, all those things we don't want to deal with, all those things that we are meditating to get away from. And believe me, there are a lot of people that sit down in meditation not to get to God, but to get away from hell. And hell may be a husband, it may be a wife, it may be children, it may be a job, it may be bills, it may be a lot of things. And it may just be all of it, and that's hell. So look and see, what is your motivation? Why do you sit down and meditate? Why do you want to meditate? Why do you want to go inside? And see if you can begin to bring your focus inward and upward to God. Rise above all that is of this creation and rise above the mind so that the mind begins to let go of that divine, living, loving essence that is you, your soul. And you can then break free of this creation, even while you live in this physical body, and know yourself in God once again, and know God in you. I and the Father are one. That wasn't one man speaking. That is the soul of us all speaking. I, the soul, and God are one. There is one soul, and that is all of us. We are the spiritual essence of God that is loving, that came out of the heart of God at the moment of creation. We are that divine essence that is soul, and it is one. There is no separation in spirit. There is no individualization. There is just beingness in that oneness. And if we can wake up into that, then you know I am. First you know I am soul. And then you know I am God. And then you know I am God is one and the same as I am soul. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And there is no separation. And a challenge for a lot of people in meditation as well and in this spiritual practice is this whole concept of rising up into soul and rising beyond soul, soul transcendence, into the realms of pure spirit. The mind goes, but what is that like? You know, I know this world, I know this body, I know these emotions, and I'm ruler of it all, says the mind. And it is. The mind is the ruler. The mind is, in a sense, the soul of this level of creation. And it is dominant. It is a dominant force. 
And it knows this creation, and it understands this creation, and it knows how to work it for the good and the bad of itself. And it does it within us. And so the mind, when it hears, no, you're spiritual beings, your soul, your divine, your loving essence, it goes, what is that? I don't know what that is. I don't know what soul is. I don't know what spirit is. I don't know what spiritual realms are. What are you talking about? And the mind will kick in and say, forget that, that's a bunch of baloney. Let's do this world. Let's do the mind game. Let's do the world. Let's chase after all these things. Let's get attached and be in love. Let's not do this thing of spirit. And that's what the mind will do to us if we continue to allow it to do that. It's up to each of us to begin an inner practice where we can rise above all of that. And what will happen is something very profound. You will come up, up, up in your focus inwardly. As you focus upward and inward, you begin to rise above the physical, above the emotional, and above the mind. And each one of those levels are going to challenge you. Each one of those levels are going to test you to see, can you really let go of me? Do you really think that you can overcome me? No, you can't overcome me. Wouldn't a peanut butter and jelly sandwich be really good right now, the body says? You know, I'm hungry. Let's go get something to eat. Let's not waste our time. My God, what a waste of time. We could go have a nice big glass of milk. We could go have a glass of wine right now. What are you doing? Let's go do something else with this body. But if you sit there long enough, you'll begin to find yourself rising above that physical nature, that body consciousness, But then comes the emotions. And in that emotion, in that nature of the emotional presence, we find all kinds of things going on in there. Storms of energy just exploding and expressing and needing and hiding and running, running toward and running away. To me, it is like being in an ocean where there's a great storm and all these waves are just bouncing back and forth, hitting each other. And as they do, they get bigger and bigger. If I'm not careful, I can get caught up in all this wave action and just stay there trying to figure out how to bring it to calmness. And what I have found is that the more I focus on the emotions and try to calm them, the more the waves build and the more the emotional nature has power over me. But the more I just hold my attention to God, the easier it is for me to rise above that emotional nature. And as you begin to rise above it, the emotional nature gets quiet because there's nothing to feed it now. It just becomes still. And then you reach into the levels of the mind. And the mind is maybe one of the most challenging barriers there is. Because the mind knows all the little tricks to play on us in a way that the emotions in the body couldn't. Because it can speak our language at this level. It can speak to us. It can share with us. It can distract us. It can disturb us with all these different thoughts. Well, I'm unworthy. I don't deserve this. I'm not ready for love at this level. 
well, I can't do this. This is impossible. There is no God. What are you doing? What are you doing this for? And it will do everything it can to distract you, just as it was doing a distraction for me. And I followed right after it. Whoop, my mind's going again. There I go. I would just follow after it like a little puppy would follow something that it wanted to play with. And so I know the power of the mind. So how then do we rise above this body, this emotion, this mind consciousness that we have within us? It is very simple. It's focus on the unspoken name of God. Hold your attention on something that is separate from all those physical natures that is that still small voice of God within. Hold your focus there. Hold your loving there. It's like a hot knife cutting through butter. You just rise through all of that that I just described about the physical, the emotional, and the mental. You just rise right through it very quickly, very easily, very smoothly, and you begin to rise up into those realms of spirit where you can begin to experience your own divinity and experience the divine in you, living you, loving you, being you. Now, it sounds real simple, but yet there are challenges in it all because you may not yet have learned how to hold a focus. You may not have developed the discipline that it takes to keep that focus together enough to move through these lower regions and into the higher. It takes time, it takes practice, it takes patience, and it takes loving. And you forgive yourself every time you fail or you get distracted, and you just move right back into the beingness into the focus. By chanting the hue, by holding your attention on H-U or Anihu, as it's written up here, or by holding your attention on the initiatory tones, the unspoken name of God, and letting that power build inside of you, you will find that that power of the Holy Spirit that is in that name will lift you quickly through all the levels and into the Spirit. It's by the power of the name. It is in the Old Testament and it is in the New Testament. And it is in other sacred writings, in the Bhagavad Gita, in the Koran. It is taught throughout time. It is by the power of the name. But the world doesn't know what the power of the name is. What is the power and what is the name? And they've given it all kinds of different definitions. But in truth, it's the unspoken name of God and the power that lies within that. And the power of the name is the living, loving essence of the Lord that you are. That is the power. And that is the power that you were awakening and that you were unleashing inside your own consciousness every time you hold a focus of loving intention inside of yourself to wake up and know that I am God. I am God. I am the soul, God. So in this practice, be aware that there is a power that is greater than this world, and that is the Holy Spirit. When God spoke, the first movement, the first sound, was the action of loving 
that came out of God to manifest all things. And that manifesting action was the Holy Spirit and is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is ever moving throughout all levels of creation to maintain creation, to hold it in its dynamic expression so that God can fulfill God within creation. And that Holy Spirit is holding you in a very dynamic way in your own creation and is ever calling you forward to be responsible for your creations. Well, why is that? The soul is the creative essence of God. God created soul so that soul would go out into all these different levels of God, to all these different levels of the aspects of God in manifestation and experience it fully so that God could know God's self more fully through the experience of self, experiencing self in movement. That's a lot of words, but it's true, and you can know that by waking up inside and knowing that. And that action is also carrying with it the creative principle that is in the soul. We each are creators in our own way. Look at your own life and look at what you've created. You've created this lifetime. You created this body. You've created your reality. And you hold your reality in suspension and maintain that reality so that you can live it to its fullest. And you will struggle to maintain it. You will struggle to support it. Even though you don't like it you will still struggle to support your creation. And yet, that is what we are here to experience, our creative principle, and to discover the power of our own creativity. Rather than blame your life on your parents, or on your teachers, or on some outer force, realize and take responsibility for your own creation. For every action, there's a reaction. That's a law in physics. But it's also a spiritual law. As you sow, so shall you reap. The challenge is that we don't often remember what we sowed. We don't even remember what we sowed yesterday in the way of our actions, our thoughts, our expressions, with ourselves or with others. And yet, today, somebody comes up to me and says, you know, I don't think I like you anymore. And then they walk away and you go, what? We're best friends. What's wrong? What, what? Well, you know what happened. I'm not going to like you anymore. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. And you're going, what? What happened? I don't know what happened. We don't remember sometimes the simplest little seeds that we plant in our day that bear fruit and that we are responsible for. We might say one thing to somebody that throws them into a total turmoil And we didn't mean it to do that, but we plant that seed and it happens. And yet, they don't tell us, well, remember that seed you planted? Well, that's why I'm disturbed. They just go, I'm disturbed with you, goodbye. And then what do we do? We eat the fruit of that plant that we planted in the world, our creation. We are responsible for it. Well, 
there's also those seeds that we planted in other lifetimes. Not just yesterday, but lifetimes ago that we are also finding are starting to take sprout and come up into this lifetime as well. And if we can't even remember the seed we planted yesterday and be responsible to it, how in the world are we supposed to be responsible to the seeds we planted four lifetimes ago and be responsible to it? But we are. Unto the fourth generation shall the sins of the father be passed. Well, four generations ago, you were the father. You were the creator of the child you are today. You planted the seed of who you are today, and now you are the fourth generation bearing the fruit of that implanting of those creations. So you were responsible for your thoughts, your actions, your reactions, your emotions, and what you do with this body. You were responsible for all of that. And that's how we as soul learn about our creative ability. When I had cancer in the 70s, I learned something very powerful about the power of creation. I went to Houston and met a couple who were just doing experiments. Now, this was way back in the early 70s, and nobody really was thinking much about affirmations and positive thought and creative imagination as a healer force. But they were looking at this. And so in talking with them, I realized that there was a very simple dynamic that I could do that would help me to get well. And that was to begin to use my own creative imagination, the power of the spiritual creativity, to heal myself. Now, I was doing other things called radiation and chemotherapy and nutritional supplements and diet all at the same time. And I introduced into that this positive creative imagination in order to strengthen and to enhance and to bring about healing. And it was during this time that I learned the power of creativity in a great way because I realized that what we create with our mind and with our emotions and with our creative imagination will come into manifestation if we will hold to it long enough. We can create heaven or hell right here for ourselves. So I did an experiment and I began to use the power of creativity to see how I could begin to have an impact on my healing. You remember back when they used to have video games coming out and there was this Pac-Man? Well, I envisioned the radiation and I envisioned the chemotherapy that I was doing later as Pac-Man. And it was just going through my bloodstream, eating up all the cancer. All the way through my bloodstream. And I would just envision it from the bottom of my feet coming up and all the way to the top of my head and then it would come back down on the other side and just eat up all the cancer. I would do that for weeks and weeks, days on days out, just giving it as much time each day as I could. And as I did, I felt stronger, I felt more in charge, and my blood work was getting better. After a couple of months of doing this, and I mean, I went through six months of radiation and then a year and a half of chemotherapy, so I had plenty of time to experiment with this. So after about two months of doing that and watching my blood work get better and better and better, 
I stopped. I said, well, I've got to find out if this is really working or not or if this, this is true. So I stopped. Within a few days, I could feel the chemotherapy pulling me down. And I could feel myself being drugged down into this, this hole. It was like a suction cup. It was just like being sucked down into something. And after a week, I went in and I had to have blood work every week. They did my blood work and my doctor looked at me and said, oh, something's up. Something's different. He couldn't figure out what it was, but he didn't give me chemotherapy that week because it was all down. So I thought, ooh, I'm not going to do this for two months. And so I started doing the visualization. I went back and the next week everything was back up to normal. And I went, okay, now I don't know what to believe here. Is this just my body doing whatever it's doing or is this for real? So the next week I didn't do the visualization and everything went down. The next week I did the visualization and everything went back up. After I did that a few more times, I realized I didn't enjoy this experiment because every time I wasn't doing the visualization, I was going down. So I just started visualizing all the time and I got better and better and better. So I know the power of creativity for the good, but I also know the power of creativity for the bad because I've watched myself over the years use that same principle of visualization to hold myself back, to bring about disturbance in my body so I didn't have to participate with something and to create blocks and barriers in my own life. So I know the power of creativity and I know that I can change my life by simply holding a particular focus with that creative power inside myself. I can change it and I can manifest what I want in my life by holding that power of creativity, which is that loving essence inside. That's where the divine spark is creative and has the power of creativity. And it is looking to manifest its creativity on all levels of our being. But unfortunately, there's some cross lines in our consciousness. And so things get short-circuited. And we begin to believe things that aren't true in this short-circuited consciousness of creativity. And we blame other people for our problems. We blame everything outside of ourselves. It's not me. I, it's not me. Don't, don't, you don't know what you're talking about. It's my mother. It's my father. It's my boss. You know, they, they won't give me a raise. I mean, how dare they? They won't give me a raise. So it is important to look and see that if we want life to be different, we have to take responsibility and bring about our own creative power to manifest what we want in our life in a way that we may not have done so before. And that is what the soul is longing to do, to line up our own creative principle in such a way that the soul can manifest on all levels of self, all levels of expression at this level, so that we live in union, in oneness, in awakening on all levels and being multidimensional, just as Brian described earlier, of why he's doing the meditation the way he's doing it. He's saying, wake up as you come back in the body and stay conscious as you wake up in this body. Be conscious here, but be conscious in the spirit at the same time. That's what we're talking about. And then you can live this divine flow all the time. 
You don't have to sit down and close your eyes and do it. You can do it wherever you go. God is with you wherever you go because you are God. The divine in you is God. And wherever you go, God goes. Wherever God goes, you go. There's no difference. But the game is is to be responsible for our actions, for our thoughts, for our feelings, and for our reactions to others. Situations, people, things that are coming at us from the world as well as within ourselves. And to begin to create for ourselves what we really want. That is an action of the power of the name where we begin to discover the grace that is the Holy Spirit. And we begin to discover within ourselves the movement of that grace that is divine loving. In that divine flow, there is nothing you have to do. There is nothing you have to be. And there is nowhere you have to go. Because you already are. In the divine isness, you are there now. And in that isness, there is nothing for you to be or do or go and accomplish, but rather just be in the flow of loving and let yourself be in that flow as one with God. But as I said earlier, the mind is the greatest challenge, the greatest barrier to break through. And the mind will go, well, you don't want to go into the realms of spirit. You lose individualization. You merge into this oneness. What is that? You don't want to be nothing. We're something here. We have identity. We have self. We have expression. We have meaning. We have purpose. You don't want to take that away from us. Don't merge into this divine oneness. Stay here and be an individual. And it may not sound just like that, but there will be this resistance of going into the spirit, going into that divine flow for fear of the unknown. How many times have we not been willing to go and do something because we were afraid of the unknown? I have. I have been willing to take certain trips sometimes because of going into a country I didn't know. I've not gone into medical situations because I didn't know the outcome and I didn't want to have to go through the experience of it. There's a lot of different places in my life where I have held back going into the unknown. And if I'm doing that in my own life in the world, it's probably going on on the inner levels, even at an unconscious level where I don't know it, towards spirit. So it's allow yourself to look and see that you're going to hold to that divine seat of the soul, to that divine place where the living, loving essence of the Lord dwells within you, and rise up to that for the experience and the knowing of that, that you truly are. And as you hold to the sacred name of God, the power of the name builds up, and it just lifts you. It draws you upward. It's a natural movement to return back from which it came. And that's what the soul is longing to do. It's longing to go back from which it came. The soul also has its attachment to God. It isn't attached to the things of the world. It's attached to God. So 
It is also longing for something. But it's longing to return back to its own source, back to its own place where the living, loving essence truly is in its fulfillment. And so as you begin to allow the soul to have dominion over the mind, the emotions, and the body, you begin to find that they become quiet and you rise above all of that and back into the true source of your own being and begin to live in that divine flow of grace. It's challenging. I'm trying to put into words things that really are beyond words. There's no way for me to say, well, this is what it's like in the realm of soul. This is what it's like to be in the realms of spirit. This is what it's like to be in the heart of God. There are no words for it because it's beyond the mind and it's beyond the words. And so I struggle here trying to make sense, trying to put something on this level of being that might impart to you something of what is there and to inspire you to begin to discover what that is for yourself so that you can come back and go, you don't know what you're talking about. It's much bigger than that. Let me tell you what it's really like. And then you'll begin to share it and you'll go, well, no, you know, it's, it's kind of like that, but it, it really is. And, and then you'll know what I'm talking about, <laughs> what I'm not saying. The truth is beyond all the words. It's behind the words. And it's beyond this world. And so there's no way to bring it down to this world and really impart it. Now, a scientist can tell you all about the structure of the atom and how the atoms build together to create molecules and compounds until finally we have all that is here. And they can take it the other way and tear the atom apart and tell you just how that structure all works. And that's the level of the mind understanding this creation. But the mind can't understand that which it is not a part of. And it isn't a part of the spiritual creation. And there's no way to bring in the essence of spirit to the level of the mind and truly put it together in a verbal form, in a scientific form, and to share it like you might be able to do with the mind describing the atomic structure and how it builds things and understand the subatomic structure. So be aware that everything I've told you is not it. And it's up to you to find out what it really is. What is it that is the isness? What is it that is the divine, living, loving essence of the Lord? What is it to be in the loving with God and to open and receive God's loving? That is the purpose and the mission of meditation, to move into that, to live into that, so that you are that. And then you can come down here and take possession of this physical body and get up and do whatever you need to do with the mind, the emotions, the creative imagination and the physical body but you're doing it from that place of centeredness in spirit. And you live it, this life, with a different purpose, a different expression, a different focus, from a different place. And life is more simple, it's more still, it's filled with grace and ease, 
compared to what it was before. And yeah, there's still the mind chatter and there's still the emotional disturbance and there's still the aches and pains of the body. And there are still those needs and desires at this level. But you approach it all from a very different place because you approach it from loving. You approach it from spirit. You approach it and manifest the spirit in all that you do in a way you hadn't before. And you find that all of a sudden the world goes, okay, have it your way. And the waters part. The ways open. And the universe begins to respond to you in a different way. Where before it controlled you and pushed you around and yelled at you, now it says, so what did you want? Where did you want to go? And it begins to work with you in cooperation rather than in resistance, trying to hold you in entrapment here. So this path of liberation, this path of spiritual meditation, this path of sound and light is a simple path. And it's simple beyond words. It's simple beyond words. And it is for each of us to find how to get beyond all that that is of this world to find out what that simplicity truly is. And truly one day you will wake up and you will realize that you never left the heart of God and that you have always been the living, loving essence of the Lord and that it was for you to wake up into the knowing of that and the realization that you never left the heart of God but that you focused outward in order to have experience so that you as soul could have experience in all of God's creation so that God would know God more fully. I was talking to someone recently who said that why would I want to do this pathway? You know, I love my wife. I love my children. I love my job. I make a lot of money and I'm enjoying making a lot of money. Why, why do I want to get away from that? Why do I want to be liberated from all that? You know, I may want to come back and, and have this same family again. I love my wife so much. I love my children so much. And I just want to take them with me wherever I go. If I go to Spirit, I'll take them with me. And if I come back here, I'll bring them with me. I listened to that for a moment and I said, I wished it was that easy. I wish we really could find those things that we really love and just hold on to them and keep them in our lives and, and take them with us wherever we go, whether it's back into spirit or into this world. But there will be a day when you leave your physical body and you'll forget all these people that you thought you loved so much. They will be gone out of your consciousness the moment you take your last breath. And that wife and that child and, and your job and your money and all those things that you love in this lifetime, in this moment, will just be wiped away in the moment because you will be in another moment, a moment of experience beyond that. Whatever that was that you have with your wife right now, that you have with your children, that you have with your career, that you have with your money, that is for the moment now, for your learning, for your experience, for your growth. But when the lesson is done, it's done. 
when you left elementary school, you went on to middle school or junior high, whatever you might have termed it then. And when you left junior high, you went on to high school. And when you left high school, you went on to whatever was next for you. And you more than likely didn't go back every day back to high school just because, wow, it was so nice and I love my teachers and I, I love the experience of high school. I don't want to leave it. And even if you did that, I would suspect somebody met you at the door one day and said, you know, you don't need to be here anymore. You've graduated. You're 36 years old now. <laughs> you should get out of here and go find a life. Well, that's what happens at death. When you take your last breath here and the soul leaves here, what you experienced here remains here in many ways. It's done. The learning is done here. And you go on to the next experience. You go on to the next lesson to be learned. And all of a sudden, you're not thinking about down here. You're not thinking about those people down here. You're not longing for them. You're not needing them. And then all of a sudden, you feel this little tug somewhere on your body, your spiritual body. You feel this tug. Or you hear this call. And you go, God, what is that? Who's that? Would you please let go of me? I've got to go higher. And all the time, while you were down here, you thought, oh, I'm going to hang around. I'm going to be close to them. I'm not going to leave them. I'm going to protect them and do everything I can. I love them so much. I could never leave them. And yet now you're going, look, I'm going to cut the cord if you don't. Just leave me alone. Who are you? What do you think you're doing to me? You're hurting me. Stop it. Well, that's what happens on the other side. You would be surprised if you really looked in the Akasha, not the Akashic records, but the soul records, the records of your own soul, and looked at all the different experiences you've had in creation, not just the physical creation, but all of creation, and so all the different relationships you had where you love this relationship, you love this beingness, you love this and did not ever want apart from it. And then it ended, and you went on to the next one. Oh, my God, I love you. Oh, I love you so much. I'll never leave you. And then it ends, and all of a sudden, oh, no, I love you. How many husbands, how many wives, how many children, how many animals have we had in other existences that we were going to take with us no matter what? Well, when I get to heaven, you're going to be there. When you get to heaven, I'm going to be there. We're going to be together forever. Well, there's not enough of you to go around to be with everybody that you said that to in other <laughs> lifetimes. Believe me. You don't want that. You don't carry one wife from one lifetime to another. What happens if all of a sudden you're in love with this woman and you say, we're going to be together forever. And in the next lifetime, you're a woman. Well, you don't want her as a wife. You want, I want a husband. So you go, go away, girl. I want a husband. Leave me alone. And all the time she's going, but you said you'd love me forever. And I need to be with you again. And you're going, no, no, not this time. I want a husband. You're not a husband. I want a husband. <laughs> and that's what happens. You can see it in all these interrelationships, all these dynamics of the karma and the interplay here. It's just amazing to watch. 
it's wonderful when you can rise above all of that complexity of this world and enter into the simplicity of spirit and look back down on your own life and go, oh my God. And you begin to bring that simplicity back down here and it just simplifies. It becomes quiet and still, just as it is in spirit. And all those elements that don't really hold to simplicity drop away. Friends drop away, things drop away, belief systems drop away, and you begin to stand in simplicity even at this level. And no longer do you have all these things pulling and calling and needing of you, but rather you can then stand free and clear in the loving that you are and the creative being that you are and begin to create anew a life that you truly are as a spiritual being. Not that you want, but that you are as a spiritual being. So focus inward and upward, not downward and outward. It's not in the world, it is in you. And you may not believe it, but if you begin to focus inward, over time you will begin to have that experience of the movement of light inside your own consciousness. You'll see the inner light, and you'll begin to hear the inner sound, and you'll begin to know the calling of the Lord within, calling the soul home. We are the prodigal son, and God is waiting for us to come home. And God doesn't care what we did in our creativity and in our journey. God just wants to celebrate his coming home when we finally do come home. So go home. Go back to God. Stop waiting to be perfect. Stop waiting until you make that million dollars or that billion dollars with the penny that God gave you when you left. If you dropped it, if you lost it, if you planted it hoping that it would grow into a money tree and it didn't, don't hide from God in shame saying, well, I can't go back yet because my tree hasn't grown. Go back to God now and realize that it isn't about any of that. But it is also about you understanding your own creative principle. And it isn't for us to decide what it was we were to learn. It is just for us to experience, and in that experience, take that experience back to God, that God comes into the greater knowing. And I hope that makes sense. It makes sense to me. But, you know, it's so funny because I'm talking from a place out here in the realms of spirit and referencing to something that you may not yet be able to reference to, and it may sound like a foreign language. But it isn't. At one level, there's a part of you that goes, oh, I know that. That's true. I know. I don't know why I know that, but I know that. And that's your soul. Your soul goes, that makes sense. It doesn't really make sense, but it does make sense. I know it makes sense. It rings true inside of me. I can feel that that's the truth. Or I want that to be the truth. And that's your soul. Listen to it and follow after it until you wake up into the knowing that you are soul. And then all the other just gets answered. There's nothing else to do. Just to share with you a little bit, after we call on the light and move towards meditation, we'll be chanting the hue, H-U, three times, which is a way of just 
beginning to bring ourselves into union, into oneness and in spirit. It calls all of us together into oneness as we chant one tone, one name of God. Realize as you're chanting that to hold your attention at the spiritual eye, at the spiritual door, at that spiritual heart. Hold your attention there and chant the name of God, Hugh, in loving, and share your loving with God at that time. Realizing that the Hugh is one of the ancient names of God out of Sanskrit, it's found in Hebrew, it's found in a lot of ancient traditions, Persian, Greek, and so on. You know, one of the neat things that takes place when we chant the name of God is that truly that's the building of the frequency of loving. And it's the building of that frequency which truly does lift us up. That's the action of upliftment. And the chanting is us doing our part. And then as that energy of love builds up, and that's God's doing God's part of now the process of lifting us. So by chanting, we begin to prepare the place and open the door inside of ourselves and create the space by which we give God the opportunity to lift us up through that frequency of loving that comes with the chanting. So if you're not already comfortable, just go ahead and let your body become comfortable and relaxed so it does not distract you from your inner focus. And as you become more and more comfortable now, just begin to bring your focus inwardly and upwards to the spiritualized center. And if it helps, you can close your eyes, just allowing your senses to come awake and alive through your sight, through your hearing, through your feeling and your knowing. Just allow your focus to gather the spiritualized center, this place that is the seat of the soul that resides above the eyebrows, in the center of the head. So just allow your energy and your attention to gather into this place, this divine doorway, into the realms of spirit. And to support this process of opening that door and gathering our attention so that God may meet us in this divine dwelling. I'm going to place an invitation. And I ask that you just follow along, opening, focusing, and inviting the divine presence of God's loving to meet you here in the temple. And so, Lord God, just now, we do open that inner door, inviting your divine presence to dwell with us in this inner kingdom, that our soul and your loving spirit may join and become one within this dwelling of this body that we call the Holy Temple. And Lord, as we continue to focus our awareness and loving on that divine spirit as it dwells within us, we do ask that the action of upliftment take place here and now, lifting us and bringing us into that divine knowing and oneness with you so that we may truly live the greater spirit that we all are. And for all this, we do give our thanks, and so it is. And so now, as you continue to allow your attention to gather at the seat of the soul, we're going to begin to chant the hue outwardly 
And as we chant the hue, I ask that you continue to allow the inner vision to come awake and aware through all of your senses at the spiritual eye center, allowing the sound of the hue to continue to lift you and to bring your awareness more and more inwardly and up into the divine presence. So just go ahead and take in a deep breath, and on the exhale, we'll go ahead and begin chanting the hue. chanting outwardly. Continuing to let the hue just resound within you. Continuing chanting inwardly now in the silence. Holding your focus at the spiritualized center as you continue chanting the hue.
So just now, once again, we're going to chant the hue outward. We'll do that three times, continuing to focus inwards and upwards. So take in a deep breath, and on the exhale, we'll begin. sound to carry you and to lift you, continuing the chanting inwardly as you now step through the spiritualized center, allowing your inner light to now step free of the physical body and into the realms of spirit. So just now step forward, inwards and outwards, into God's creation, the inner realms of spirit. And as you step through this doorway, step onto a path of light and sound, allowing your spiritual senses to continue becoming more aware and awake, allowing the sound of the hue to lift you and to guide you. And as you step on this path now, be aware the sound of the hue drawing you forwards and upwards to its very source, allowing your spiritual vision to become aware so that you may see now this divine light that comes out of the sound of the hue, lighting the path, liberating the soul. So just now allow your soul to walk along this path of light and sound moving forward in this inner journey back to the very source from which you were created. So continuing now, inwards and upwards, chanting, walking, singing and loving the divine essence as it draws you back unto itself.
So just now, wherever you are, allow yourself to become present and aware on whatever level you reside, allowing your inner light to radiate, to begin the process of your inner light becoming one with God's light. So just now, allow your radiance to shine, to merge into that light of God, that the two may become one, that the light of your soul and the light of God may merge into the oneness and the beingness of this divine presence of loving. So just now, allow this merging to take place, allowing yourself to open and become vulnerable, to allow this process to unfold in its beingness, in its divine knowingness. All you have to do is allow this to be open and to be aware.
allowing the sound of the hue to continue carrying you in this process of awakening and oneness. And just now, we're going to begin once again. We'll chant the hue outwards three times. So just take in a deep breath, and on the exhale, we'll begin. yourself to be present in this frequency of love, continuing to awaken inwardly as you continue living your life on this planet and in this physical kingdom, allowing your soul to awaken on all levels being present here and now, multidimensionally, physically, astrally, emotionally, mentally, etherically, and spiritually, allowing the fullness of your inner light to shine on all levels in its full awareness, to simply allowing and opening so that this takes place as you continue to become more and more aware of this divine presence and this light that you truly are. And as you become more and more awake and aware, just now begin to let this light shine into all levels, from the very soul to the very physical, as you now let this light of your soul Enter back into the physical body, back to that spiritual door, that spiritualized center, letting it rest once again at the seat of the soul as it resides in the physical body, with that divine essence radiating into the body, giving the body life and love, that you may live joyfully, peacefully, abundantly and fully, inwardly, as you walk through this physical level outwardly. So just now, as you're ready, just allow that light to become more present on all levels, including the physical. And gently open your eyes, just allowing that presence to remain aware and awake.